2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. How's everybody doing tonight? Amen. He says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Uh, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raised the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doeth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Uh, we've been kind of going through this, and... Um, one of the things that I think is, is extremely important is to recognize that as Paul is uh, writing to the church in Corinth, he is helping them to understand that there were some things that he had to go through. Um, and I think oftentimes the, the nature of the faith community, if you will, is to try to think that you will never go through anything. Uh, I think the emphasis here that he is trying to uh, get them to understand is he says, who delivered us from so great a death and uh, notice the past, the present, and the future. Uh, he's saying who basically hath delivered us and still delivers and we trust that he will uh, in the future yet deliver us so that we are always in a state of understanding that we have been uh, delivered, that we are in the process of being delivered, and that he will yet and still in our futures deliver us. And it's to encourage them to begin to recognize that even though you might find yourself in a place of being pressed outside of your measure in so much that oftentimes the attack begins to make you think that you might not make it. Uh, it begins to make you think that it might be too great for you to handle. It'll try to make you think that there is no other way out. That it'll try to make you think that you will have to give up. It'll try to make you think that God might not do it this time. That he, that, but the reality of what he is saying to you is he's trying to get them clear about the idea that God is the one who delivered in the past. God is the one who is in the process of delivering. And God is the one who will deliver in the future. That he will never leave nor forsake you because you are his children. And no matter how we feel and no matter how the situation unfolds, uh, the point is never to stay in the midst of the problem, but to recognize that God will always deliver you through the problem. And when we spend so much time talking about the problem and focusing on the problem, we tend to stay too much uh, in the problem and never realize that God does not want us to stay in it. There are things we're going to have to go through it. And as we begin to trust him to realize that it doesn't matter how I feel about the situation, what matters is that I'm ever mindful that he is in fact the God who has delivered us in the past. He is in fact the God who was currently 
currently working to deliver us now and he is the God who will yet in our future continue to deliver us and that our reliance is never upon our own abilities but it is always upon the ability of God because where in fact you end is where he picks up and we have to discern and to know that in all situations it doesn't matter what it looks like from the outside that we have to be ever mindful of the working of the Holy Ghost on the inside of us the working of the power of God working in our lives the things that he promised us the things that he told us they are coming to pass there is no way to stop what God has set in motion that's why he said no man can close a door that I have opened and no man can give you an opportunity that I have not yet opened and that's what I'm trying to get everyone here to begin to understand that God is ultimately the one who sets up kings and tears down kings God is ultimately the one who will establish what his word has said he said my word is everlasting it will always come to pass there is no way to stop what God has set in motion they can try to slow it down they can try to change it but it will never stop he said I hasten and hover over my word to perform it there is no possible way so then we have to begin to recognize that regardless of what situations look like, we have to know where we are in the levels of our faith. Because faith comes in different levels. Faith uh, is not a one and done type of, uh, of thing. Faith is everyone at different times in their life can have different levels of faith. People have different uh places where they are in their faith and we have to be able to recognize that there is a level of change that comes he said we were in a place where we had enough faith to go to Asia see there oh my god I wish somebody would really get what I'm trying to tell you there are times where you have enough faith to do and to step out with what God asked you to do there are times where you have enough faith to sow a seed God might have asked you to go but then the reality is that when Satan realizes that you have stepped out by faith if God is pleased by your faith then Satan is angered by your faith and so when he sees you step out of the boat then there's an attack that comes when the wind kicks up the waves start getting crazy all of a sudden Satan wants to know how are you going to respond because he knows what faith looks like he knows what it is and he knows what it isn't and so here they are in Asia doing the assignment, doing what they were called to do, going where they were sent to go, and then bam, here it comes with such an attack that he says, we despaired even of life. But we know that God has worked in the past and delivered us from so such great pressure, and God is working even right now. He said, death works in us so that life will work in you. He said, and I also know that come my future, God is moving there too, and he is able to set me free he is able to move in my life he is able to defeat every enemy that comes against my life because he has ordained me from the very moment that I was born I was fearfully and wonderfully made he marked me from jump and so then I have to begin to recognize within myself that God is always in the delivering business See, this is, what <laughs> this is one of those fundamental things. Because if your theology is the idea that God is the one who hurts and he's a destroyer, 
then your theology is affected by the way you think. In other words, either he's a deliverer or he's a destroyer. And this is such a fundamental process of thinking that you've got to be very careful because everything you view becomes slanted or skewed by a perception. Uh, let me say it this way. Information or knowledge is not the same as your view of it. Information is static. It doesn't change. It, 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 if I tell you a truth, it is what it is. It's information. Your perception of that information will now skew your view. And that view is based on your predilections. It's based on what you believe. It's based on how you see things. So then, if you see God as a destroyer, then every time something happens, you'll begin to think, I got what I deserved. You'll begin to think, well, you know, I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. So I'm just going to reap what it is I have sown. Now, the Bible says, do not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. There's no question about that. However, to purport the idea that God desires you to suffer and desires you to struggle doesn't line up with the canon of Scripture. It doesn't line up with the entirety of the Word. Because God has spent so much time setting His people free. He's put so much effort into getting them to a place of prosperity and health and, and so much that he desired to do in their life that he is, in fact, the one who has delivered. He is delivering and he will continue uh, to deliver. And so when we trust in him, now that doesn't mean there might not be a span of time where your flesh is going to go kicking and screaming. But it ultimately still means that at the end of the thing is better than the beginning of the thing. And the realities for all of us as believers is we have to know that he will always come through. He is, in fact, the man of his word. Amen. Let's go to Romans 12. Verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Uh, it is important to note that the Bible says that God dealt to you uh, the measure. Um, the measure which would be a measure of faith, measure of what type of faith, the God type of faith. Remember in Thessalonians it says that uh, there are men who don't have faith. And it says that we pray that we be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. So there are people that don't have faith, but the Bible's saying in Romans to believers that you have been dealt a measure of faith. And so the measure of faith that you have been dealt uh, is the God type of faith. And if it's the God type of faith, then it had to have come from God because anything that is the God type of, of means out of or out from, which means that the type of faith that we have in believing in God came from God. It is God's type of faith. Then if we understand that the same uh, faith 
even though we only have a measure of it, but the same faith that God has is working on the inside of you, then when you think about the idea that he said, let there be light, and light was commanded out of darkness, and all of a sudden darkness receded because light stepped forward, when you begin to realize that he said, let the firmament separate, and let the waters come up this far, and all the things that he began to decree and declare is the same type of faith. It's the same proportion or the same nature of faith, different levels, but it's the same thing that's on the inside of you. That same spirit worketh on the inside of you by the Holy Ghost. When the Bible says that the Holy Ghost hovered across the deep, and as God commanded things to happen, the Holy Ghost made it occur. That same Holy Ghost, this is where it goes beyond Christian rhetoric, when I begin to say that the same spirit that worketh in me, is the one that quickens my mortal body. Then I'm not talking about any other spirit other than the Holy Spirit. So then again, it's not Christian rhetoric when I say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You have to know that the one on the inside of you is the one who framed the entire world. When God gave a command, the Holy Ghost made it happen. And he put that on the inside of you to give you the great advantage so that as you are in this world, you are not of this world because you have an insight that no one else should have have because the greater one resides on the inside of you and so when chest trials and troubles come into your life you have to know that there has been a measure of faith given unto you to exercise what he called you to do he measured it out and gave you everything you need to accomplish what he's called you to do in this world it would really be sad if he didn't give you enough to make it to the end it's like when people complain about resources in the country and do we have enough this and do we have enough that God made this entire world he knows exactly what the supply is for this world to exist he gave you a measure what you do with your measure is a whole different ball game and this is why believers listen to me you got to get people off your faith you got to get people who won't plan properly you got to get people who will just ignore what God tells them to do. So now they want to burn up your phone line about a boyfriend God told them never to get involved with in the first place. Now it's got to get on your faith plate to believe God for things for somebody that they should have on their own. And then when it comes time for you to need your faith to function and operate for the things you're believing for in your life, you are so overburdened that you don't have enough. And then you think, well, I have little faith or I have no faith. That's not true. You are not managing correctly the faith you have. Are, are you understanding what I'm saying? This is why if we are saved uh, by grace, through faith, then faith is the vehicle by which God's power uh, works or functions or is delivered. It's the delivery system. And so we, if we want to see a greater degree of grace in our lives, then we have to unclog the channels of our faith. It can't be hemmed up with the cholesterol of stupidity. It can't be hemmed up with the cholesterol of other people's nonsense. As well-meaning as some people may be, we have to know how to keep these things 
off of us. Because remember, he said, today, we got enough trouble for today for us not to be worried about tomorrow. In other words, you got enough for today. I don't have the ability to get out in front of you and deal with your issues and still have to deal with my own. Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? And, and I'm, I'm not speaking to me personally because as a pastor, you have a certain ability that God gives you a measure to help people. So I don't mean me, I mean you. When you are dealing with things, you take on things that do not uh, have anything to do with you. That's why when Jesus said to his mother, my time has not come. Woman, what's that got to do with you or me? In other words, don't push me. Don't put me in a place where I have to use faith for something that God didn't ordain me or tell me to do. And I believe obviously somewhere in there, God told him to go ahead and do it because he did it. And he said, I don't do anything that my father didn't tell me to do. But I want you to understand the principle of how to recognize measures and know where your measure is and what your measure is for. Because oftentimes what people do is they don't realize the measure you have is adequate. It's more than enough to accomplish the goals that God has for you. How you manage that process is really a whole different ball game. Does that make, that make sense? So let's go to uh, 2 Thessalonians 1. We are bound, uh, 1 3, 2 Thessalonians 1 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Now, <clears throat> I want you to recognize that he's saying faith is growing exceedingly. In other words, faith is not static in the sense that it does not change. Faith grows. And I want you to notice the, how he knew their faith was growing exceedingly. He said, because their charity of every one of you toward each other abounds. In other words, I know that your faith is growing when you stop talking about you. <laughs> you, you know baby Christians when they're always talking about them. It's always, you know, I'm struggling with this. I need this. It, it's, it's just like my, my child. It's, uh, if you want to know the definition of selfishness, monitor your children between the ages of two and about five. <laughs> and that's the definition of selfishness. There's nobody else that exists. Come take my potato chips, but I come anywhere near yours, we got a beef. Right? I'm, I'm daddy when you want something, but... You don't know me when, are, are you understand what I'm saying? And so he's saying that the way that I know that your faith begins to grow is you become less concerned with yourself and you become more concerned with others. And he says that I can see that the love 
of every one of you toward each other is abounding. In other words, I, I'm beginning to take greater responsibility to help my fellow believers. And that doesn't mean I take on the faith burden, but I'm there to help and I'm there to encourage. And I'm not so much about myself. You know, there, there are people that you can talk to where everything's a competition. No matter how bad it gets, it's competition. Man, I just got hit with a bill for $1,000. I just got hit with one $2,000. Okay, are we competing? What, what are we doing here? See, I, I need you to see these things because the maturity of someone whose faith is growing, you will see they become less focused on themselves and more focused on how do I bring a supply to help you. And he said, when I see the love abounding, then I know your faith is growing. And, and this is why your love walk becomes everything. Because I'm telling you, you have to monitor how you deal with people. Uh, if, if I yielded to every impulse, then I would probably choke some folks. I know y'all have never had that feeling because I can see all of your halos I'm almost blinded by the reflection <laughs> off the top of your halos. But if you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> then you have to begin to realize that as your faith begins to grow, you begin to become more tolerant. You become more temp... Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? You become more even keel. Uh, you, are, you are less volatile, if you will. Because as your faith begins to grow, your trust in God begins to grow. And as your trust in God begins to grow, you are not moved when crazy things happen. Uh, you know, it, it's like the most bizarre things. If you live long enough, you will see some of the craziest things happen in your life. How do you know when your faith is growing? When you are still able to love and appreciate other people, even in the midst of the attack that's coming against you. So how do you know your faith is growing? When you are bounding in love one towards another. Where you know that, you know what? Yeah, this is hard. This is difficult. But it's a greater uh, a responsibility for me to be a blessing to somebody else than it is for me to sit back and complain about what is going on in my own life. And so now I have a desire to help others. I have a desire to love. I have a desire to fulfill the relationship that God has asked me to have, even when all hell has broken loose in my life. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. And being not what? Weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, we just saw faith can grow, right? And we saw how faith grows. Now, we see here two concepts. One is weak faith. In other words, there is the potential of having weak faith. And then he also says that you can have strong faith. Now, notice the, uh, the difference of what strong faith looks like as opposed to, he explains, what weak faith looks like. 
And he gives us an absolute faith lesson here from, uh, let's go back, verse 19. He says, and being not weak in faith, he then tells you what weak faith does. Uh, what weak faith does is it considers your own body. Or let me say it this way. Your, a weak faith considers. Let's cut it right there. Uh, considers what? The circumstances. Considers what's going on. It considers what you see. It considers what you feel. It considers, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't walk by faith. It really walks by the sensual realm of your senses. All of what you can see, feel, touch, smell, taste. All of the things that are outside of you uh, that concern your body and your ability to focus on your periphery around you or your sphere around you will determine what you believe. And so weak faith will always consider all of those things. Um, I, I, I'm often amazed at how many people can change their mind based on information. Uh, something doesn't look right, and all of a sudden, they're believing God. Then something goes wrong, and they're like, well, maybe God doesn't want me to have it. And then something goes right, and they're like, well, yeah, uh, I'm going to believe God for it. Then something goes wrong, well, maybe God doesn't want me to have it. Then you believe in God, and you see something on television, and all of a sudden, you're like, well, maybe God doesn't want me to have it. Now you see something else on TV, and you're like, well, maybe he does. And all this back and forth, all this considering is an instant sign that there's a weak faith operating. Because if I am strong in faith, then when weak things pull at me, it doesn't pull me off. Because I'm strong. Are, are you understand what I'm saying? Because everything will always come at you to get you to break your faith or to get you to stop believing. And so then notice what he says in verse 20. He says, now being strong in faith, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. Uh, if you have ever seen anyone that has been inebriated, uh, you will know what staggering looks like. Uh, staggering is instability. Staggering is going back and forth between multiple positions. Staggering is not uh, being able to be steady. He said, but he was strong in faith. And then he explains what strong faith looks like, it gives glory to God. See, strong faith is always going to give glory to God. I, 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 I really want to emphasize this because I know this is, these are some basic principles, but uh, oftentimes it's in the basics where we miss it. Uh, when, when the attack comes... It is designed to create such a focus and an intensity of your distraction to get you to be more in tune with the problem than you are with God. And so as it all comes and keeps coming, it's designed to take your ability to give glory to God away from you so that you will not bring to God what it is God needs. Because the level of your praise and the level of you bringing glory to God has to be commensurate with the response you are looking for from him. And if you want a big response from him, then you're going to have to learn how to bring big glory to him. And you have to learn to be so steady that even in the midst of all hell, having broken loose, I will still give glory to my God. I will still 
praise him for who he is. I will still worship him, not for what he can do for me, but just simply the mere fact that he is God. How did he get that way? He made himself God. And so in all of that, then I bring glory to him. And I bring that to the place of muting out all the attacks that come because I am going to worship you. I'm going to praise you beyond the realm of my attack because whatever comes into my life can never take my joy. It can never take my peace. It can never steal my voice because my voice is unto you because the peace that I have, the world did not give me this peace. And so if the world didn't give me this peace, then the world is unable to take this peace. And yea, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your authority, the rod, is with me. I know that whatever it is that I'm going to have to face, I'm still going to give you the glory. And if it happens to take my life, it'll take my life while I am giving you the glory. But I know this, that if I keep you first in everything that I do, you will always deliver because you have delivered, you are delivering, and you will deliver. And so I begin to see that all of these different types of faith have manifestations. They have outcomes. Um, look at Acts 6-8. What I'm, I'm trying to do is to give you the platform, the, the premise, the understanding of faith at its different levels and what it looks like. So that as you begin to understand measure, you can begin to fine tune <laughs> where you are. Because I'm telling you, the reason why people have, uh, <laughs> let, let's, can you uh, hold that? Let's go to Luke 22, verse 31. Luke uh, 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith do what? And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Notice Jesus said, I prayed not that you would get out of the situation, although if your faith doesn't fail, your faith will bring you out of the situation. He said, I didn't pray and rebuke Satan uh, and bind his attack against your life so that you'll never have to face that problem. He said, I prayed that in the midst of that problem, your faith would get you through. Uh, I prayed that as all hell has broken loose in your life and he is desiring to sift you like wheat. I, I think, I, I wish I had the picture, I could show it to you on the screen of what wheat sifting looks like. Because I think because we are no longer uh, an agrarian society, because we are no longer people who actually sift our own wheat, uh, we go to the grocery store and we buy it in whatever 
form that it is, but have no conception of what it took to get there. And so when you talk about sifting of wheat, uh, there used to be a, um, a board that had a bunch of spikes on it, and they would beat the wheat against it to, to break it from uh, its uh, stalk. And then they would smash it on the, on, the, on the cobblestones and then throw it up in the air, and the wind would take the chaff away, and it would leave the grain. And so there's a process of sifting that Jesus was speaking to that only those who were in that time would have understood. It, it doesn't mean that you get out your little sifter, you know, as you put a cup of flour and you sift it and the flour just falls all the way through. He's talking about a beating. He's talking about a pressing. He's talking about an attack. See, I, I need you to understand because a lot of people want the oil of the anointing, but they don't want to be crushed like the olive. And you can't get the oil without the crushing. You can't get the anointing without going through some things see people want to go to heaven they just don't want to die first and and the challenge is that you will never get the oil without going through the crushing and he was letting peter know he said listen i'm gonna pray for you that when you are sifted when you are pounded against the wall when you are pounded against these spikes when you are crushed on the ground when you are tossed up in the air he said i'm praying that when you get done with all of that that your faith will still be intact that you will be converted because when you are converted you'll be able to strengthen your brethren i wish y'all would hear me because you don't understand you are in the process of being crushed not because god is mad with you not because you've done anything wrong but because you are coming out the other side and when you come out the other side you can't help me if you ain't been through nothing you can't talk don't talk to me if you haven't been through some stuff don't tell me how good God is and you ain't had to fight the dirty devil don't talk to me about what but listen if you've been through some stuff when you start talking to me I can tell I can hear it in your voice I can hear it in your language this person has had to fight this person has had to do something now i want to hear what you got to say because now you can help me get to the other side now you can strengthen me i don't get strengthened because you got cute words i get strengthened because i watched you go through some things that you came out the other side smiling and giving glory to god now i'm encouraged to say if he did it for you he'll do it for me if he did it then he'll do it now that that's where the strengthening comes from. But you got to know you're going to get pressed. He said, I pray that you just, your faith don't fail you. He said, that's all I'm praying for. Because you're going to have to go through it. It, it would have been interesting because if Jesus could have stopped it for Peter, Jesus could have stopped it for himself. <laughs> but no, you think you're better than Jesus. You're not going to have to go through <laughs> that's why he says he's the firstborn of the brethren you're going to have to go through oppressing the goal is to make sure your faith doesn't fail but one of the greatest reasons other than the attack that comes from Satan the sifting process because if you ever want to see where people are with you give us some time Satan is one of the best sifters ever you want to know if somebody's with you? Give it time. 
Well, Pastor, you know, I just, I feel like my gift hasn't been used, so I'm moving on. Thank God I gave you enough time to get sifted. Because <laughs> evidently your faith failed you. Well, you know, I just, I just, I've been here X amount of time and I haven't done this, haven't done that. You're getting sifted. <laughs> and it's always time that will tell you whether you're going to be, people are going to be sifted or not. And oftentimes we're not careful, we don't realize they just got sifted. Now, it's not our desire for people to be sifted, but it is important for us to know who can stay and who can't. Who can endure and who can't. Who gives up in the first round or who can go the whole fight. So you can say what you want to, but there's something about people who can finish. Everybody can start. Everybody can jump out the boat. You can jump out of a boat not on faith. You can jump out of a boat on just sheer excitement and zeal. That's why you've heard me say zeal without skill will get you killed. Not killed. Kilt. Kilt is when you've been killed a long time. You know, like dead and dead. Dead is when you first go and dead is when you've been that way a minute. So... The first issue that most people face that causes their faith to fail is the sifting, the process, right? But you know what the second one is? And I believe it's equally as bad. Not being selective about what you use your faith on. In other words, you can't put your faith on everything without a word. And I'm telling you, as Brother Keith would say, if you would be more selective, you would be more effective. You keep trying to spend your faith on any single thing that comes into your head that you make up. And then when it doesn't work, you call it a faith failure. Well, the problem is God type of faith doesn't fail. He said that if you say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt in your heart, but believe the very thing you said, then it shall, you shall have whatsoever you say. He didn't say that there's a potential. God might deny your petition. He said you will have what it is you say, which means that if you have had what some people call a faith failure, it was not on God's side. It was on your side. And this is detrimental to believers because then when Aunt Jenny didn't make it and she died of whatever it was, then all of a sudden you call it a faith failure and say faith doesn't work. The devil is a lie. Faith absolutely works. But you better know what is genuine faith. You better know when you have an actual word from God and when you've got a word from him or you are reading in the word what he's promised you, now you have the basis for what actual faith really is and then you go and release your faith on certain things if you would be more selective I promise you you would be more effective but people just want to spend it on anything and think that works so then let's go back to Acts 6 8 so we talked about failed faith we talked about strong faith we talked about weak faith we talked about growing faith let's talk about what full of faith looks like he said, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did. <laughs> you can stop right there. Doesn't even matter, really, what he did. He did. Now, it's great to read the rest. Great wonders and miracles 
among the people. People that are full of faith do. People that are not full of faith hesitate. See, frogs jump. That's just what they do. Faith leaps. That's just what it does. See, faith does. It, it, it doesn't sit back and talk about why it can't. I mean, so many people have gotten so lost in the rhetoric of their own uh, insecurities that they have justified why they're still sitting in the same spot. Well, I'm just believing. No, you're not. You're sitting. You're waiting. But you're not believing. Because if you were believing and you were full of faith, faith does. <laughs> faith moves. Faith has a corresponding action to it. Faith, faith doesn't just sit still. Faith doesn't uh, uh, just uh, uh, is not an unreactive uh, response. Faith has something that if you knew that faith is working on the inside of you, you have a response that comes out of the heart of faith. Faith doesn't just take anything that Satan deals and says, oh, that's just what my lot in life is. Faith says, no, that might be what the circumstance is. But I'm not going to respond to you out of my circumstance. I'm going to respond to you out of my belief. And my belief is that this too shall pass. My belief is that greater is he. My belief is that whatever it is that I have to face, that God has given me the ability and the understanding and the wisdom and the knowledge to deal with whatever comes my way. So now I'm not going to sit back and wait. I'm in the mode of doing. Well, you're always doing. Listen, because that's what faith does. Faith is not going to go and hide. I don't have a high bone in my body. That's why when, when, when Shane and I play with each other and jump out and try to scare each other, she steps back. Because she knows my immediate response is I'm a swing. Because faith just does. It's not something I, I, I don't know what it's like to not be excellent. You got to understand how faith, when you're faithful, you're going to do great wonders and miracles. When people have counted you out and you still can't go out. When people thought you wasn't going to make it and you did make it. When people are trying to figure out how you're still prospering in a pandemic and when the rest of the world is losing jobs. The rest of the world, the unemployment rate is this and the country is this and the economy is this. And all of a sudden, every time they look at you, you keep winning. And they want to know, how is it that you keep winning? It's the greatest evangelism tool on the planet. And people don't understand, as a believer, you are called to demonstrate what God is doing in you. People are supposed to look at you and say, how is it that this person has accomplished what it is they have accomplished? How are they doing that? They work in the same company I work. They're doing the same job I'm doing. Why do they keep getting promoted? Why do they seem to not be struggling? Why are they buying houses? Why are things changing? And all this, and I'm doing the same stuff they're doing. We working side by side. And eventually, they are going to come and ask you. And that's when you are able to say, I know a man. Huh? His name is Jesus. Huh? And if they did it for me, he'll do it for you. Because this is where I was. This is where I am now. And the difference is Jesus. That's why I told Abraham, I'll make your name great. Because he knew Abraham would make his name great. 
See, because some of you think prosperity is about just so I can have. No, it's not. Prosperity is about that neighbor who watches you and thinks you're a drug dealer. I don't understand how they be driving the kind of cars they drive. I don't understand how they living like they living. He must be a drug dealer. Yes, I am. My drug is called hope. I'm a hope dealer. I'm a hope dealer. When you're ready to give up, I'm going to deal you some hope. When you're ready to shut it all down, I'm going to deal you some hope. When you're ready to give up, I'm going to deal you some hope. When you think you can't make it out, I'm going to deal you some hope. And guess what? The first hit is free. And so is the second. And so is the third. <laughs> See, but they want to know. They're going to want to know. You want to talk about evangelism. That's why I said that the, that the nations will call you blessed. You think they're looking at your spirituality? They're not going to be able to see that. All they're going to see is there's something different about you. We live on the same block, but we are not operating out the same kingdom. We work in the same job. But we do not operate out of the same kingdom. <laughs> and it's that place that people begin to see something that's very, very different. This is why when we are full of faith, things happen. Things happen. And being full of faith is not the same as being faithful. But I can tell you this much. You cannot be faithful without being full of faith but you can be full of faith and not be faithful you ready let's go to um, Luke 17 verse 1 then he said unto his disciples it is impossible but that offenses will come, but woe unto them through whom they actually come. Keep going. It would be better for him that a millstone were tied around his neck and he cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, Oh man, that's so easy. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Jesus, I'm so glad you told me to forgive him seven times a day. I mean, that's just easy. As long as he says he's sorry and he repents and tries to turn, then I'm, that's easy. No, their response is what? Lord, increase our faith. In other words, help us. That you said, you just said a whole mouthful in four verses. See, what does that mean? That means faith can increase. And so I'm trying to show you the various things about faith and how 
increasing your faith is to recognize where your faith ends. In other words, uh, he said, you know, if somebody comes to you seven times in a day, um, forgive them seven times. And he says, yeah, that's beyond my faith. The moment I begin to recognize what's beyond my measure, I now have the opportunity to increase. This is why it's so important, y'all, to know where your faith level is. Because if you think you got more faith than you have, you'll never find the end. <laughs> and if you never find the end, you'll never know at the point at which increasing begins to occur. See, there, there's a stretch that happens. You know, <clears throat> one of the things that I have learned in ministry, it matters the pastor you sit under. And I'm not saying that I am anything, because I'm not. I just can tell you this much I've watched. And if you sit under a pastor who's poverty-minded, you will struggle with poverty. If you sit under a pastor who believes sickness is of God, you will struggle with sickness. If you sit under a pastor who uh, believes that you know relationships are not important, and you will then begin to suffer in your relationships. I have known, without naming names, I have known pastors who, um, let's put it this way, they are single and ready to mingle. And they end up with a church who is single and ready to mingle. Um, and all kinds of stuff be jumping off in the midst of the church that I guarantee you God is not happy nor pleased with. Not that we are in a position to judge because that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to help you to understand is that whatever it is you came up in or you submit to, you end up seeing it that way. That's why the Bible talks about can the blind lead the blind? And it says, uh, yes, they can, and they, and they both fall into a ditch. And, he, and the subject is leadership because he says then the student will be, never be greater than the teacher. Or in other words, the student will never have greater revelation or function beyond where the teacher is. So if the teacher is teaching you that poverty is of God, then you will function in poverty as if it's of God. It will not be until you have learned the fullness of what God is that will take you to a greater level of revelation to increase your greater level of manifestation. This is why it becomes critically important for you to understand who you are connected to. Because who you are connected to will ultimately begin to navigate the, the, the levels in which you go in your life. And so it matters what church you go to. It matters uh, what shepherds you have. Because once again, wherever they are is where you are going to be also. Or are you following what I'm saying? And so then it becomes a critically important for you to begin to understand that because now you are dealing with a spirit of poverty and wondering where that thing came from. And now you're trying to apply faith to the situation, but you can't apply faith to the situation because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the 
word of God. And it actually is the word of Christ. The word God is actually Christos, which is Christ, the anointed one. So then really what it means is that faith cometh by hearing, not by the audible sensation of hearing, but it comes by hearing rhema, the, 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 uh, that's the, for the word, word is rhema. Rhema is the revelation or the point or the matter in which the word was sent. So in other words, if I said to you that Second uh, Peter tells us that he sent his word uh, and by his stripes we are healed. Well, why would he tell you that we are healed by his stripes? The only reason why he would tell you that is to let you know that you were healed the moment Jesus was on the cross. That was the point of telling you that on the cross with his stripes, you were healed. So then it's not the audible words by which you hear. It's the revelation that you hear that is anointed. The word of God or the Christos Rhema, Rhema, which is the anointed revelations. So then what brings faith is not me just reading the Bible to you, but it is the exegetical nature of bringing out the revelation that comes with that word so that faith shows up by the anointing and that's why it matters because you can read the Bible six ways from Sunday and still never get the fullness of revelation that God has for you until you sit under an anointed word. That, that's why some of you, if you've been here long enough, you know exactly what I'm about to say has affected you in some way, shape, or form. You have heard it over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden, one day, you heard it a certain way, and it leaps in your spirit. And you're like, oh, 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 oh. Oh, yeah, I got that now. Oh, that makes perfect sense. That just clicked. That's the anointing. You heard the words, the logos, over and over and over again. But when it's delivered under an anointing, there's a power that goes with that word that begins to bolster your faith. And it gets you to a place where you know this is what I have to live off of. This is what I have. This is my food. This is my daily bread. I'm eating off it. I'm chewing on this all week long. I'm talking about that word that I got from Sunday because every devil in hell is trying to take it from me. But I'm going to keep reminding myself, meditating on it day and night. And every moment that I get, I'm reminding myself, I am the one who's prosperous, that the blessing is on me. And the manifestations of those blessings are in my life. And I'm reminding myself because there's an anointing that went with that word. So it's not just the hearing. <laughs> it's the anointing on the word that you then hear it and receive it. And as you receive it, it bolsters in you the ability to continue to develop in the areas of your faith. And so now it, it is, uh, how do I say it? And now, when the Bible says that you'll meditate on the word, the word meditate means to ponder it or to murmur it. Uh, you know, murmur it is like, you know, when you walk into work, and maybe you just ain't feeling it. And you just, you know, and then so-and-so who's been working your last nerve. And you know they got you in their eyesight, right? They got you in their line of sight. They trying to fire every bullet at you you possibly can. And so as you walk past them, you say good morning. Maybe you bought them a Starbucks. 
because you're heaping coals. You tell them how pretty their eyes are. And then when you walk away, you say, God, I thank you in Thessalonians. It says that I've been delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. See, that's murmuring. That's, that's where, you know, when you first got out the car, thank God I've been delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. And then you see them. You're like, hey, how you doing? Brought you a Starbucks. Let me bless you. And you walk away. Thank God I've been delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. See, that, that's, that's, the, that's the murmuring. What'd you say? Nothing. Nothing. God bless you. As soon as you turn around, thank God I've been delivered from unreasonable. That's why I said on my word, shall you ponder it day and night? Shall you meditate on it? <coughs> so you murmur. You're talking about it over and over and over. Because, again, which, what are you doing? Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. You, you're, 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 you're building yourself up to deal with what you couldn't have dealt with before. It's like when people say, well, you know, I'm really struggling with somebody. I'm like, right, well, do something to bless them. Right. Yeah, I'm not there yet. <laughs> Increase your faith. Do it by faith. Just go buy it and bless them. <laughs> See, and when you learn to do the opposite of what your flesh wants to do, you start to increase your faith. When you learn to do the opposite of what your mind tells you to do. I, I remember one time, and I can't believe we're out of time already, but I remember one time I was, I was, uh, I was out with my pastor, and I was buying these uh, refrigerators. And they were, you know, for our office. I was buying one for him, and I was buying me one. And they were about three, $400 a pop, and they're nice stainless steel little refrigerators with the glass window fronts, you know. And uh, I put two of them on the pallet at Home Depot, you know, a little push cart thing, and I was rolling it up, and I got a phone call while I was standing in line. And the phone call was that one of the deals that we were working on, I was in real estate at the time, uh, one of the deals that I was working on uh, was starting to go south. And anybody who's in real estate knows that's the dreaded phone call. <laughs> Al knows, Austin knows. That's the call you don't want. And so, um, long story short, it was going to cost me probably about eight grand. Um, and so I'm like, okay, this is going to hit me pretty hard in my finances. And so my pastor's standing there, and the, we're up next. And so as the guy's ringing this stuff up, in me, it was like, you probably shouldn't be buying this right now. Because this is, you know, with tax and everything else, this is going to be just short of a grand. And so he saw that, and he said, he goes, you know what, brother? I'll take care of this one. And so I stepped back to let him do it. And literally, when I stepped back, you know, the little credit card swiper deal, he reached in his back pocket to go swipe his, to get his credit card to swipe it. And everything in me, literally, just like, it was almost like the Holy Ghost kicked me in the seat of my pants and said, what are you thinking? And so I literally swiped my card and I paid for it. He's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And so we went, delivered the refrigerator to his office. And then I had mine in my car and I was going to take it to my office the next morning. I got home, and um, there was an envelope from my mortgage company, and in the envelope, 
the the now the the issue was about between seven to eight grand. In the envelope was a check for nine thousand dollars. Now I want you to understand my point of all that. My point is to say that oftentimes when you are being pressed out of your measure, God expects you to do the right thing anyway. I wasn't in faith about that. I just knew I couldn't let Satan win. I just knew that I couldn't allow my flesh to win. And so I've learned that even when I am pressed out of my measure, whatever my flesh tells me to do, do the exact opposite. This is why he said, when death is working in me, life's working in you. Because I know that I can't stop. You're not going to change me. You're not going to stop me from doing what it is I know that I'm supposed to do. And by my obedience, surely by the responsibility of, you ain't going to change me. I'm not going to do what you want me to do, Satan. I'm just not going to do it. Brings me to a deeper level so that now I know now it ain't even a thought for me. You call me and tell me everything. If I said I'm going to do it, we're just going to do it. We're going to have to trust God through it. Are you with me? But it builds because you have experiences like that. It builds when God reveals his faithfulness to you and it lets you know that I may have a tribulation or a trial today, but that thing worketh experience. See, and when I have experience with God, now I know that hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God should have brought it in my heart by the Holy Ghost. That he has demonstrated to me over and over again, he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. That don't mean you won't have moments <laughs> where you're freaking out on the inside. But what it means is you can move against what God or what, against what Satan wants you to do and follow God and do just step out because you're walking by faith and not by sight. And find that as God catches you and he changes things for you, you begin to develop an experience with him. And as you develop an experience with him, your faith begins to grow exceedingly. Does that make sense? All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the word. We thank you for light. We thank you for all that you're bringing to us. We thank you, Father, that we are uh, those that desire to hear. And your word tells us that utterance is greatly affected by the hearers. And so we're grateful for this word we received. We are going to hide it in our hearts and be genuine to it and to keep muttering it and keep uttering it and whatever peace we need, whatever peace we took, we're going to keep talking it over and over and over again and pondering on it. And we know you'll keep making it uh, larger and larger on the inside of us and adding more and more so that we can continue to grow thereby. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So we love you guys.